Mechanical Freak. We're broadcasting live from somewhere high above Kabul in the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan, that city of the future on the bleeding edge of neoliberal dystopia today, where we've just found the old abandoned CIA zipline that will safely transport us out of the clutches of the Taliban. That's right. You're listening to Mechanical Freak. It's Munya, Greg, myself, Colin. Ryan and Cassidy are somewhere trying to get to the zip <laughs> They're line. They're trying to get evacuated right now. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, I thought you were going to say we were plummeting to our death. No. Uh, having uh, leapt from the landing gear of a C-130 or something. I think they're helping President Davison with something. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, you can you can probably tell what we're going to talk about. I mean, to be honest with you, we actually just talked about bike lanes for probably about an hour, but yeah. <laughs> we're going to save that for later. We're, we're talking about Afghanistan. That's right. So, Munya, like, you were like, what, four or five when 9-11 <laughs> happened? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you, like, you guys are laughing as if that was like, um, like an insult or like an exaggeration. But no, I mean, I was literally uh, five years old. <laughs> <laughs> so so Colin I mean we've been politically at least like you know conscious of the world around us for the entire time America yeah. has been occupying this country in Central Asia yeah like I mean what like uh, where do you even like where do you even start like where to think about like this insane thing in some way coming to an end. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know because you're right. It's been, it's been ever present in our, basically our whole adult lives. Yeah. Uh, yeah over we half what, our like lives. 16, 17. Yeah. Um, my, my, my friend, um, Annie, uh, who's, um, transsexual Stalin on, on Twitter, uh, made a really funny point which um excellent follow I, yeah amazing follow absolute queen shit um she said 9-11 is such a happy memory because like we were like so like young to comprehend any like ramifications so it was just like our parents like telling us like like that they love us and that you know everything was going to be all right and you know school was canceled and like explosions were on tv it was it was actually a really great <laughs> memory for us five-year-olds you know like just like getting that a lot is a of very love. funny tweet no um, no school <laughs> that is so, so that That's is a a, so okay let's start there because that is a different experience yeah from what colin and i had we, had we were school. juniors i remember hearing about hearing that uh you know, the country was under attack that they had hit the uh, trade center towers and the Pentagon in my ride to school on the morning in that morning, a neighbor hitched a ride with a neighbor to school and thinking being like a, just sort of an idiot kid with like, you know, a, a, a bit of a teenage nihilist streak. Um, <laughs> and like, but a desire for uh, history to be exciting in my own lifetime, thinking like, "Oh shit, wow, we're gonna there. Th this is gonna be a war for sure," and that's wild. <laughs> and thinking honestly, like thinking like, um, I'd thought it had occurred to me as a teenager that previous to this that it was that history seemed to be stalled, and one one ramification of that was that uh there was no like immediate uh major imperial project to protest uh <laughs> and that that was a bummer or something i don't know uh and uh maybe that would mean this would be exciting this would be like some kind of salient political conflict that i could be interested in um or at least it would be like wild times, you know? And that's when you decided to leave the Cardinals and join the military, 
right? <laughs> uh, yeah, what we've never talked about before is that both Colin and I joined up as soon as we uh, turned that's, 18. That's how they met, Ooh, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not because they're childhood <laughs> friends. I say met <laughs> because they joined the military on 9-11. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. We were each getting our heads shaved at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. Um, no, but wild to think that a lot of people did, you know, a lot of people are like are a little older than us and probably, and certainly our age still, the, the whole war on terror then kicked off. Yeah. I mean, and, fucking Adam driver did it, dude. Like that's geez, like something really? in the memory hole. Like, you know, like Adam driver was one of those guys like during nine 11, he's like, I'm going to fight for our country. I just need to do something. And like it enrolled in the military. <laughs> yeah. See that the very different instinct there. Cause I was thinking like, wow, this is, this is kind of neat. And the better instinct I was having, even though still very stupid and childish was, wow, this, uh, you know, a war, a stupid war that America will get into will be a thing I can protest or be like politically active against. <laughs> I mean, oh, you're excited to get active. I know. Right. <laughs> it's so fucking stupid though. <laughs> so folks, Afghanistan, 20 years of bloody war and imperial occupation, 20 years since America invaded to take out Al-Qaeda and the Taliban government who were harboring them. Oh, and by the way, doing a medieval patriarchy to the women there. 20 years, uh, we've been causing chaos and doing murder in that country, training our covert and contract operators perfecting our death by remote control systems for 20 years. We've been tossing some money in the hole in the ground that is the utterly corrupt, venal, incompetent Afghan government, which we, the United States, created from the ground up with the same skill, grace, attention to detail, and professional personnel that would later bring you its more popular cousin, the Iraqi government. For 20 years, we've been dump trucking even more money to defense contractors who are like trillions richer for it. Probably moved a shitload of heroin while we're at it, uh, filling up the coffers of the empire's covert operators and bringing imperial management tactics home by dumping the product on the working poor of America. And for 20 years, like every imperial bloodbath ever undertaken, we've been lied to incessantly about the whole thing. Uh, and now I guess it's over. Or anyway, let's. this is uh, what, Monday... Uh, this is Monday night, and all weekend, Kabul's been scrambling to get out of the way of the Taliban blitzkrieg. It's not a blitzkrieg, though, I guess. It's been faster than anyone seems to have anticipated, but there doesn't seem to be much actual fighting. Seems like everyone gets the picture that the Taliban is coming back. Plenty of people, at least outside Kabul, seem to think that this is preferable to continuing American occupation, or at least not presently worth fighting about uh which means they may actually avoid a civil war uh which would seem to be a good thing to me uh what do i know but but oh oh the shameful chaos of the american retreat the fall of Kabul. we're supposed to be worked up over america's like honor or some shit uh or more more sympathetically concerned for the plight of afghans of women and children who I hate to break this to libs mostly haven't done very well under our care uh you know the u.s or its allies and i mean the scenes in kabul look harrowing and i don't doubt that living under the taliban is going to be very bad for some people but you can't convince me that it's worse than 20 years of u.s occupation murder and mismanagement like fam should we reinvade because we're fucking up the cutting and running part like are we doing it wrong yeah there's no correct way to do it and like you know and if I think the criticism of like, oh, they should have withdrawn this way or that way. It's like, you know, um, we're in this ugly ass fucking mess to begin with. The, and like, there's no clean or correct way to exit other than, you know, exiting. And sure, of course, we can talk about like asylum and like all that that's separate. But in terms of like getting troops out of there, um, essentially, the arguments all always lead to oh, but we should have some troops on the ground and gradually remove them. Or we should have some troops just stay there forever, right? And it eventually yeah. just like leads to like, we should just like not have troops leave Afghanistan, right? Yeah. Um, and at the end <laughs> of the day, these arguments are never gonna, like, look, uh, people, a lot of people are gonna get real, are gonna get fucked potentially by 
having worked with the U.S. and now the Taliban's there. Or who knows? Maybe they won't. Or they will in to some degree. We don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah. But ultimately, like getting into these arguments of like, what's the right way to do this? It there is no, there's never going to be a right answer because it is all just an imperial horror. Like. Yeah. The only right answer is to never have been a disgusting military globe spanning empire that just like invades countries to murder people in the first place. Like, yeah. And I think the only real opinion that Americans should have on U.S. foreign policy is to not fucking be in other people's countries meddling in their shit or like doing a straight up genocide and occupation um, and imperialism. Like, whether it's Cuba or Afghanistan, like, if we're Americans, like, it's actually a very simple opinion that you should have. And it's, like, what we have control over, right? We being the U.S. empire. And we have control to fucking leave and not, like, you know, um, just essentially, like, be in, be in their shit all the time. Um, and, like, there's, some like, more complex ways of thinking about it. But when it boils down to, like, you know, anti-imperialism, like... Um, the fundamental question is, do you want to be in and involved in these countries or not? And, you know, why the business that we never had business being involved in Afghanistan, um, don't have business being involved with Cuba or any other country to dictate, you know, what they do as a country. Right. Um, it's just not our place. So fundamentally, really, we should only, um, you know, support us withdrawing from Afghanistan and other countries, um, whether it's from soft or hard power. In my opinion. Yeah. I, I think there's no way, like, it's hard to imagine anyone in the country not knowing this, but the for the last month, the U.S. has been pulling out and the Taliban, the same uh, force that was uh, displaced and deposed 20 years ago by the U.S. invasion, has, like, rapidly over the last two weeks taken over the entire country in, like, the fastest conquest in in history basically I mean, if they were playing and, like civilization or some shit they, they were doing like a fucking speed run they were winning yeah on a standard speed they were winning on like turn 110 like they fucking rushed that shit yeah and for the most part they weren't even fighting like the government such as it is the u.s backed client government and military that goes with it that's been trained by america for 20 years has just sort of completely collapsed at all levels because it's utterly corrupt and has basically the whole look i mean the entire effort has basically served to originally it's a polit it was a political ploy we'll get into that but from there on out it was it's been about funnel you know just a bank robbery for defense contractors yeah and yeah it sucks that the taliban who are a fundamental you know religious fundamentalist fanatic group are going to take control of Afghanistan again. And, but I don't think many people's lives had really improved that much in the intervening time. When you consider how many people were killed, uh, as a result of the U S invasion. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, no, there's no good. There's no upside here. It's bad. Yeah, it's bad. And, uh, and I think, you know, I see some takes going around saying like, Oh, like, you know, the Taliban is like very, bad like the u.s should you know be in there to basically stop the taliban or i mean um even more cynical seeing takes being like oh well what's uh you know the women and uh children you know are uh suffering in afghanistan right and therefore we need to do it and it's just like why we need to ask what created the conditions for the taliban to be such a dominant force in afghanistan to begin with right like same way with just with um not the same way, but like in a similar vein of like how how does something like ISIS form? And, you know, the answer can be really traced back by decades and decades and decades of um, imperial aggression, of economic sanctions um, from the U.S. Uh, the Taliban just doesn't spring up out of nowhere. Um, it comes from certain material conditions that were created yeah. by the U.S. in general. In the case of the Taliban, it's, you know. Uh, progenitors, the Mujahideen, were a group of uh, Islamic fundamentalist anti-communists who were funded by the U.S. and its allies, yep. Pakistan, Israel, and trained by the U.S. and Pakistan to fight the Soviets. And, you know, uh, 
importing lot, you know, people from uh, fundamentalists from Saudi Arabia and other places in the Gulf. Um, and then more, you know, over the last 20 years of the occupation, the Taliban was swept away at first, but the occupation itself was the greatest possible rec- recruiting engine that they could have asked for. Uh, recruiting not just like manpower in terms of soldiers, but like convincing the whole country that like it would be better that they were in charge than America. So these things don't happen in a vacuum. This is all imperial blowback. And ultimately, like this just once again illustrates also to people who wish that the U.S. could or somebody could do something to improve the lives of women in Afghanistan. I feel for those people who are earnestly uh, asking that question and for people who are going to have a hard time, women and others who are going to have a hard time under the Taliban. Um, but this pretty clearly illustrates that the U S does not have that capability. Like, we do not have the power to improve anyone's life. Nor, nor the is the U S interested in doing that. With, right. Too. Right. That's certainly the case, but like I, I, all the, this has been sold as like, we have to help the women of Afghanistan from their, you know, patriarchal overlords, the Taliban, from the beginning and that was always a cynical ploy a lot of people bought it um i don't think many women in afghanistan ever bought it though a few did i'm sure um but it hasn't been good uh it has not been a good time for the nation of afghanistan to live under u.s occupation uh but um yeah so uh we've got some there's so many fucking dog shit takes out there. It's incredible. I mean, the entire like us media class is melting the fuck down over, you know, the, the humiliating defeat, the, the surprise rise of the Taliban, what it says about American empire, how we look to the Chinese, what, how this has echoes of Saigon in 75 with the, you know, a hasty evacuation. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, Comparisons there are pretty uh, thin because um, in Saigon 75, there was a case of like of a very clear case of the good guys winning, <laughs> like, whereas this is more of a wash, you know, right? The Empire, the Taliban, I mean, they both in, they both know. suck. Uh, right. So whereas like uh, the Vietnamese people liber- liberating themselves from uh, Western imperialism is uh uh, cool and based and good. Um, yeah, but all these media class people built their whole career on basically defending the war in Afghanistan, standing it when it was like you know uh, getting brought up. And I even know this, and I didn't even have to live through these characters. Like when you know there was debate on the House and Senate floor about you know starting a war. Um, you know the media had to sell the American people on that. That was their job, and a lot of the still like the titans and like the big names of media today um were around during that time and um well yeah, yeah and really made their bones doing this because right. like over this period over the war on terror period like how you advance you you didn't advance in u.s like mainstream media if you in that arena if you didn't you know cry when uh u.s launched cruise missiles you know, like Brian Williams, or if you weren't just an indignant like hawk for all U.S. intervention, like Jake Tapper, you know, yeah, right. Um, like, or and just got all of the fucking, you know, freaks and neocon psychos who now make up like so much of the like liberal center to write like magazine press, like a certain magazine called uh, The Atlantic. Which employs such luminaries as uh, neocon warmongering ex-Israeli prison guard Jeffrey Goldberg, uh, Bush axis of evil speechwriter uh, David Frum, and we've got an especially insane, stupid take that kind of rounds up all of the dumb takes on Afghanistan in one like neat package among the many awful pieces in the Atlantic right now about this very subject. Well, there's one very special one. Yeah, we don't need to speculate any further because Afghanistan is your fault. You're being (laughs) our fault. (laughs) Damn, never thought about it that way before. (laughs) 
so this is by Tom Nichols, and it's categorized in Ideas in the Atlantic. And, <laughs> That's, you know, it's going to be a great one. Yes. An Atlantic article is categorized as Ideas. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're getting the Ideas guy on the, on the case here. <laughs> <laughs> the American public now has what it wanted. That's what the thing. Uh, is, um, Afghanistan is your fault. I mean, that's what you want to hear. Like when you see possible evidence of the empire crumbling, which I mean, hey, it would be nice. Um, yeah, I want to be manifest. scolded over it. That's what I want. Yeah, this is big, condescending liberal energy. So it begins. Kabul has fallen. Americans will now exercise their usual partisan outrage for a few weeks, and then Afghanistan. Afghanistan, like everything else in a nation with an attention span not much longer than a fast food commercial, will be forgotten. In oh, the... boo-hoo. Yeah. Oh, America doesn't burn. have an attention span anymore. You're a goldfish. We we've watched too many cartoons on Saturday morning, and, you know, we're, 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 we're more worried about uh, uh, the Kardashians than Kabul. <laughs> I mean, that, that is, that's the level of this right here. All our problems are down to uh, partisan outrage. It's because we won't come together in the center. That uh, is why we uh, failed to do anything but kill people and like drive a nation into the ground for twenty year, in a twenty year occupation that ended in the government falling like three hours after we left after <laughs> prepping it up for twenty years. It's because we're we're too partisan. <laughs> this is so fucking classic. This is like uh, this is everything. This is like you know why did Trump win this is like it's all because the american voter is a is too um too stupid and too sort of uh riled up about uh bullshit you know it's not hillary clinton's fault it's not like barack obama's fault any of this it's like uh america's failing our leaders you know we're failing the generals yeah idiocracy is real that's the that's the problem in the meantime, American citizens will separate into their usual camps and identify all of the obvious causes and culprits, except for one, themselves. <laughs> Go I mean, on. When, when there are a bunch of other obvious causes and culprits, like, is it really, you've got to ask, like, is it really worth anyone's time to to go through this idiotic exercise of, like, I mean, yeah, yeah. Wait, he admits that there are obvious causes and culprits. Like, and like, he's like, <laughs> in the first paragraph, implies that there are so many obvious causes and culprits, and he's like mad that they don't like blame themselves too. Yeah, we have to go deeper. We have to go <laughs> to the self. Many Americans will bristle at the idea that this defeat overseas can be laid at their feet. When U.S. I wonder why. Had, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> when U.S. forces had to endure the misery of the retreat from North Korea back to the 38th parallel, no one made the argument that it had happened because of the voters. No one turned to the American people. Yeah. During, uh, well, hang on. That that's that I think is broadly true. Um, it that was very clearly because of the Chinese <laughs> invasion that uh, got. Uh, uh, America's ass kicked, but uh, okay, go on. He is another really good example. No one turned to the American people during the fall of Saigon and said, this is on you. Oh, yeah. Uh, no one. No one was saying what? that we lost uh, to the communists because of Jane Fonda. No one was saying it was all the draft dodgers. Nixon isn't on the tapes with Kissinger blaming the fucking hippies and the protesters. Uh, yeah, that is fucking absurd. That is this there's literally like volumes have been written about how it was the fault of the anti-war movement and volumes have been written about how much that is bullshit and how, how totally fucking ingrained in the right wing's Imperial mind in America. That idea is it's literally, it's called the stab in the back myth or the betrayal narrative. Uh, this is a very well-documented uh, thing that happened uh, in American politics, it's literally what fu it's the kind of shit that fucking the like Reagan revolution was run on was, you know, this is the birth of the fucking 
culture war in America. Yeah. Like you are fucking high, dude. That is bullshit. Yes. People immediately and forever after blamed the American people for the, uh, defeat in Vietnam, like hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. No, like literally like, like wedge issue politics was birthed out of the, the defeat in Vietnam that the U S had. I mean that like led to basically this like political climate that we have today. Like it's like feels like everlasting because we've just been living in it. But really that started happening like after, after Vietnam and and, like we're living in that world ever since. And that's like, you charged it up. I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's also the civil rights movement and there's lots of things that the right wing backlash was based on, but like very key in it is this idea that the troops were betrayed in Vietnam by the public back home. Uh, and absolutely insane for someone to publish in a serious magazine, supposedly that, that just, that, that would be a ridiculous thing to imagine that that happened. (laughs) Sometimes to catch the big fish, you have to pretend no other fish exist at all. <laughs> so why why would I do that now? Question mark. Well, you're going to tell us much go. of what what happened in Korea and Vietnam, ultimately constituting a tie and a loss, if we are to be accurate. A tie, a tie was beyond the control. Motherfucker said tie. Goddamn, <laughs> what a loser of the American public. Boys were drafted and sent into battle sometimes in missions never intended to be revealed to the public. That hyperlink goes to just a history channel page on the covert operations (laughs) in uh, Cambodia and Laos. Like, yeah, it it was a totally illegal war. History channel, uh, uh, aliens, the (laughs) (laughs) aliens episodes, (laughs) maybe like the history channel one where they try to find lost treasure in the Alamo. Uh (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's just a weird aside to, I don't know what he's trying to say. The boy boys were drafted and sent into battle sometimes in missions, never intended to be revealed to the public. Yeah. Like a large portion of the war, the, the Vietnam war was like a totally illegal secret fucking thing that was going on in countries. No one knew it was happening in and including like genocidal level bombing. Uh, I don't know what his point about that is exactly. Afghanistan was different. This was a war that was immensely popular at the outset and mostly conducted in full view of the American public. <laughs> so he's right about this. It is largely true that because of 9-11 and the immediate connection that was made to uh, Afghanistan and the fact that the Taliban was harboring Osama bin Laden and other Al Qaeda people there from which, you know, at least parts of nine 11 had been planned that, uh, and it was, you know, directed all that anger became directed there. And it was very popular. It, everyone, it was very easy for the Bush administration who had just let, you know, the worst terror attack in like American history happen. Uh, it was very easy for them to direct to do nine eleven. Uh, yeah, it was. What's that <laughs> for them to do nine eleven? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yes, yes. For them to say supposedly that Al Qaeda had planned this. Look, I mean that is that's the history here, right? Is like a, a very dumb, bad, dumb, fucked up, evil Republican administration staffed by a bunch of old partisan hacks. Uh, and psychos from like like anti-communist psychos from like Team B in the seventies had had let this happen, <laughs> like the jerk offs that they are, and then they're like it was very easy because of the the psychic fucking uh, trauma of nine eleven to say like okay the obvious thing here is we need to invade a whole country because of this, and I, I mean I think to some degree that is inevitable. It was easy to make that case. Uh, it was very easy to make that case to the American people who were ready, baying for blood, and was like, "Yeah, invade a country, take it over, depose its uh, government." That sounds like a thing a big, giant global empire can and should do when they're attacked on this level. So he is right that it was immensely popular, and is correct that the Vietnam War was never, at any point, as popular as invading Afghanistan was. 
It was a thing that nobody really wanted to do after the Vietnam, after the you know Korean War was such a ugly disaster that no one really understood and thought was pointless. And Vietnam was a thing that was small that that grew in American involvement slowly and with promises that it was going to be over quickly that we had to do it, but it was always mixed in popularity, which makes you ask, like, given that this was so popular at the outset and done in full view of the American public, as he says, like, how the fuck is it that it was the American people's fault, right? Like if you had them on board is, you know, I guess I guess he's going to tell us like but I I would think like that would be the position that uh, people who've wanted to prosecute wars in this country have always wanted to be in the way. Again, they said after Vietnam is like, oh, the reason we lost is because we didn't have people on board with this war. Like we have to do that better in the future. And it's their fault. Well, now you've got it. You've got it here. So you if that's the if that is the fucking qualification if that is the the secret sauce if that's the necessary thing to fucking win an imperial conquest is having a high you know public opinion of of that conquest this should have been a slam dunk you dumb shit the problem was that once the initial euphoria wore off the public wasn't much interested in it coverage in print media remained solid but cable news coverage of afghanistan dropped off quickly especially once a new adventure was launched in Iraq. <laughs> oh, so the expansion pack came out and everybody <laughs> just quit. quit Everyone's playing not the playing game. the vanilla. Yeah. That, yeah. You know, they don't have no respects for the classics. <laughs> yeah. So because, you know, the, in the free marketplace of ideas, like cable news didn't want to cover Afghanistan anymore. People's, like estimation of its importance and interest faded. And again, like I don't see how you're blaming the American people for like, they started a whole other fucking war that everyone hated. That was where we're fucking blatantly lied into that. The entire world was fucking lied to over and over again. Who knew that it was bullshit from the start too. I mean, like, you yeah. know, Afghanistan had yeah. some pull Weird to it, that but like it was, people. Yeah. So I don't see how, yeah, it's, again, I'm confused at how he's blaming the American people, like, when, you know, this a whole other bullshit war was started and distracted from it. Like, it, it seems like you're talking about the Bush administration here, buddy. This is just the, um, the elite position that, again, the American people are too stupid, for lack of a better word, and if they would just be informed about something that somehow that's going to make the difference. I think that's ultimately the argument yeah. here is that they can't watch two channels at once, but I can. Like, like uh, yeah, right. But what the fuck do you want them to even say? Like, what do you like? Yeah. At the end of the day, what do you, right. the fuck How do you want change? the American people to do anything? Like, even if they're so informed on both the Iraq war and Afghanistan, how does that influence us foreign policy whatsoever at all? Like, I mean, like, really, I mean, and you can maybe make the argument or they can get away with more things, this and that. But ultimately, the war machine will fucking continue like um, popular or not. The war in Iraq did happen, you know, um, so I don't really get what the point is. If like they're more informed, there's no lever of power unless you actually have, you know, organized labor to maybe stop production, um, which is a lever of power that the working class can use. But we're in America right now in the 21st century, and that's not happening yet. So um, I don't know, just well, I, I'm just not even like getting the point on like what he wants the people to do with that information, even if they had it. This very is very astounding to me. Yeah, I think that's very well put, Munya. I think that's exactly how you rebut this. But I think that this belief is very central to the elite Democrat uh, brain that mm -hmm. there, there just is a problem with the electorate basically. And it's that they're, they're too stupid. Yeah. They're failing. They're failing us. The empire. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 And again, I, I think this is funny in context as sort of you had hinted at, at the beginning, Greg, where he's lamenting, that we lost this war. And then obviously if you look at uh, the, the outputs of this in terms of the money made that I don't think the war, the war machine, imperialism, American capital, uh, capitalism, uh, 
lost, right? By any objective measure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, nobody cared about Afghanistan before. Nobody cares about it now, but a lot of people are a lot richer. So um, yeah, probably a, a W. Made a lot of kind fucking of money. Point. Billions. Yeah. In post-2001 America, it became fashionable to speak of war weariness, but citizens who were not in the military or part of a military family or community did not have to endure even minor inconveniences, much less shoulder major burdens. I'm, excuse me. Um, uh, what's, uh, what's your military community, sir? What military community <laughs> did, you, did you serve with? <laughs> well, you know, I do military community theater, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> better than improv i guess uh so he was saying did not have to endure even minor inconveniences much less shoulder major burdens such as a draft award tax or resource resource shortages the soldiers who served overseas in those first years of major operations soon felt forgotten america's not at war was a common refrain among the troops we're at war America's at the mall. <laughs> yeah, I mean that listen, same Jesus as it ever Christ, was. Fuck off. That's that is this is how the the fucking imperial managers wanted it. This is how the Bush administration wanted it. This is how the generals wanted it. Like they they because an ugly shitty thing that when you did hear about as we could have guessed and now know because of the leak, the massive leak of documents in uh, the Washington Post in 2019, known as the Afghanistan Papers. Everything that they ever did tell us about the war and how it was going, what how the objectives were, was a fucking lie, you know? So, like, they they always wanted it to be on the back burner because if it wasn't, people would have been pissed off about it and because it was bad. Again, you're saying, like, Oh, everyone started out really into this war and then they got turned off to it. And it's like, yeah, that, how is that on them? How's that on the American people? Because you were doing an ugly, evil thing that sucked, that was costing a lot of money and killing a lot of people, Americans included, some of them, uh, and a lot more Afghans. And yeah, no, nobody likes, people don't like wars. Sorry. Like as much as you may, when be able to get people into them when you really hype up that they're justified. Um, like, but that takes effort. That takes like, you know, that that's not the propaganda effort they did on Afghanistan. They purposely put it on the back burner because they needed to justify the war in Iraq, basically. Uh, because that was such an obvious fraud. So again, this is all the doing of the fucking Bush and Obama administration. Like you can't put this on the American fucking people. And now those same Americans have the full withdrawal from Afghanistan they apparently want. Some 70% of the public supports a pullout. Not that they care that intensely about it. As the foreign policy scholar Stephen Biddle recently observed, the war is practically an afterthought in U.S. politics. You would need an electron microscope to detect the effect of Afghanistan on any congressional race in the last decade, Biddle said earlier this year. It's been invisible. But Presidents Obama, Trump, and Biden all ran on getting out of the war. And now we're out. Yeah, people who did not, like Obama and Trump, let's be clear, it's not like they had some, you know, blocker or, you know, some like technical angle that they couldn't do. They never wanted to pull out of Afghanistan. They just didn't do it. But they were smart enough to know that it would be popular enough with the American people that they actually like straight up lie to them and say that they are going to do it. They don't like in a campaign, you don't say shit that is not going to actually be popular or get support unless you're running a specific type of campaign for Obama and Trump. You're saying, you're saying shit to, you know, win an election and it's all very calculated, especially with Barack Obama. So, I mean, like that's proof right there that it is extremely popular, but like you said, Greg, like there, this shit doesn't happen in a vacuum. Like, of course, you know, you're going to be like dispirited and alienated if every single time someone says that. And, you know, some voters now, like including, um, you know, even like my younger sibling, I think that for her entire lifetime, there has been a war in Afghanistan. That is just like life as it is. 
um, and that can just feel like it is forever. Um, and there's nothing we can do even in, you know, if, uh, the people who we elect can't even get it done when they say to our face that they will. So I don't see how you can ever even blame people for not like, you know, being so enthusiastic or foaming at the mouth at getting out when it just feels like, or staying in or just staying in. It's just like, it just seems like it's totally out of our reach and out of our power. We try to use the one symbolic thing that is like U S presidential elections to try to influence what our country does. Mm -hmm. And it never, ever delivers. Um, and that's really the only avenue we have at that point. How in the world are you going to, you know, have any, you know, hope or faith or any real investment in change when, you know, those, those have been attempted and clearly just like, uh, they turn around and spit on your face and say, fuck you, we're staying in, you know, it's just like, uh, at, at a certain point that causes people to withdraw. Um, just mentally and check out. Yeah, this isn't a country that actually has like real democratic input. Okay, like, but this guy doesn't seem concerned about that, but does is like, yeah, you should. Every American basically on some level understands to different degrees that this isn't a democracy, that yes. voting doesn't matter, that their opinion on this shit doesn't matter. It's literally uh, a safety to, release valve, like a pressure yeah. valve for but this guy's like, just like get riled up. And like, yeah. you know, take it out in like the spectacle that is the U.S. presidential election. That's all like that's how we can keep this undemocratic system running is to have an illusion of of democracy within the presidential election. Yeah. And this guy skips over all that and is like, yeah, again, assuming living in the same fucking universe that we do should understand that, but is unconcerned with that and is like, everyone should be really committed to us winning our wars, you know, <laughs> like and. That's the thing they should be, you know, I mean, forget the fact that, yeah, people just have no input on anything. And so, yeah, they don't give a shit. Well, related to what you both had said, I think it's interesting to think about this uh, in relation to the fact that we've been repeatedly lied to, as you mentioned, Greg, uh, about this war. And one of the things we've been lied to recently, again, this comes from the Afghanistan papers, is how effectively the Afghan military would be at holding the country, right? So Obama had continued this fabrication. Trump continued the fabrication. Even Biden continued this fabrication. Oh, yeah. So there was this expectation that when we did leave, right, in the American mindset, I think, uh, that things would be okay because we spent $2 trillion or more over 20 years and we have helped build this this military that allegedly was going to be completely capable of defending itself, right? But it folded in like a week. The president just abdicated and disappeared with a convoy of money and uh, all of that was fiction, right? So again, how, as both of you said, how does that fall on our shoulders. And what are you supposed to make of that information as just an ordinary person, right? Like, am I supposed to be reading the Atlantic every day? Is that somehow going to make the difference there? I, I don't think yeah. so. No. And like that, that is the incredible thing. It's like, yeah, we're being lied to on this, on this way that, that it's just now shown to be such like even worse bullshit than any, anybody thought. Like, I think basically like, you know, off the record, in the last couple of months, administration people, you know, are being quoted places going like, well, you know, or it was being filtered through other, you know, you know, foreign policy press going like, well, what they're looking for is a classic decent interval, you know, like happened after U.S. withdrawal in Vietnam. There was like a solid two years where, uh, you know, the uh, North Vietnamese forces sort of slowly move their way down the country uh, at a nice even pace, slowly pushing back uh, and then surrounding uh, the like Arvin forces around Saigon. And that was like a two year period where it doesn't, it's not, you know, the idea that like Nixonian concept of that, like being a, uh, you know, peace with honor that like, uh, you know, everyone sh like saves face by it not being an immediate disaster, even if the, uh, it's like, there's two things going on with, um, 
the Saigon comparison, right? Because it's like, first of all, there was no decent interval, but then you still, then you would ask, okay, well, if there was this slow two year thing that led to then the evacuation of the Saigon embassy, the, you know, by helicopter from the fucking roof, like, why was that? And that was because like, even after that two year interval, uh, the state department people there, like the, the, Ford administration and the uh, Martin, the uh, ambassador there and whatever forces like factors contributed to this basically like had a sort of denial about uh, the, the end coming and like waited till the absolute last minute until the NVA was like nicely, like politely shelling the airfield as a like, come on, you, you have to leave now. Let's go. <laughs> and uh, they let that, get to catastrophe and it's like this is like a weird mashup of the two where we didn't get the um decent interval and so the total scramble of an evacuation is makes more sense but is still unfortunately just as humiliating or more so because it, it we didn't have the decent interval anyway that, that's why they're shitting their pants over it this just looks real bad from like you know an imperial management perspective yeah uh so in this next passage, this is kind of where uh, Nichols goes full Dr. Manhattan. He <laughs> grows very tired with, with us and our lives. So he says, <laughs> what the public does care about, however, is using Afghanistan as raw material for cheap patriotism and partisan attacks. So oh, yeah, the, I mean, it, the, it, it, all the records yeah. show the public hates that. <laughs> public hates partisanship. They really all want to rally around uh, the center. And, and by the way, I mean, using Afghanistan as raw material, it's an interesting choice of words there. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Some right and some wrong, but few of them in good faith. On every president since 2001, after the worst attack on U.S. soil, Americans had no real interest in adult conversation about the reality of anti-terrorist operations in so harsh an environment as Afghanistan. Now, that's what I which, do at parties is talk about the reality of anti-terrorist <laughs> operations. In this a is harsh really wild. <laughs> they don't know that I'm thinking about anti-terrorist yeah, operations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he, he goes on to say, and this is a parenthetical as his burn, which might have entailed a presence there long beyond 20 years. So he's, he's looking at you, Japan. Nor did they want to think about whether draining the swamp, in quotes, and modernizing and developing Afghanistan, which would mean a lot more than a few elections, was worth the cost and effort. <laughs> oh, the American people weren't sitting down around their dining room tables having a conversation about, like, gosh, war budget. well, let's see, we just uh, were attacked on 9-11. Do we really want to get into this war, which could be like a hundred year commitment and mean like investing in nation building and yeah you know why because no one was asking them to consider that you asshole fuck you i mean this guy at the start was just talking about how influential the news media was and the reason why people weren't talking about shit is because the cable news network stopped talking about them um so he's already kind of saying that like you know there is an extremely influential arm which is you know u.s corporate media that you know, influences what people talk about, what people pay attention to and what they don't. Um, and like, sorry, but like, that's like not and, what was really being covered. And there was a federal government that was pushing a very specific line. It was the Taliban is this evil, uh, patriarchal woman hating, uh, Islamic extremist regime that is, was harboring Al Qaeda and Osama bin Laden. That's what they were saying. They, no one was saying, no one from the Bush administration was going, hang on, America, are you sure we want to do this war? Are you sure you want us? We're asking you, yeah. do you want us to do this? Because I know you're saying yes, but what if we had to be there for 100 years and we literally had to uh, pay for, you know, uh, highways and schools for the whole country and um, and uh, 100,000 Americans would die over that that time Uh is that what you want? Oh, and by the way, also because, you know, millions of Af Afghans will die. Uh, we'll, we will drone bomb them from the sky. No, they weren't fucking asking that. They were saying we have to do this. We were just bombed. This is the answer. We were, you know, 9-11 just happened. This is what we have to do. Now, the truth is 
I think that is probably an inevitability of what the empire was going to do. But if you want to have get in engage in the politics of like, you know, could America do good things instead of bad things or act rationally in like a humane way, which I think it's probably incapable of doing. But if you wanted to get into the, that kind of politics, uh, yeah, the truth is that the Taliban who, you know, are just a bunch of dudes, you know, again, who come from the history of the U S funded Pakistan trained Mujahideen, uh, but who had fought like a civil war after the fall of the communist government in 1992 there, they fought a civil war. The Taliban is the group that came out on top in 96 or so. And they thought it would, you know, when, uh, other people, when the foreigners, the Saudis, who were, who had also come to Afghanistan to fight a an Islamic jihad against communism, uh, wanted to hang out, even though they were planning, they wanted to use this since, you know, their buddies in the Taliban had just come to power. They wanted to use it as a place to hang out while they planned attacks against uh, the U.S. empire, which was now their new enemy because uh, they had the Soviet Union was gone, the communist government was gone, and you know, the America America was allied and supported Israel and had invaded, you know, and had bases in uh the Gulf, uh, which, you know, people like bin Laden didn't like. Uh they didn't like that they tied up uh the Saudi government in their global empire and in uh, essentially alliance with Israel. Um, and so they wanted to plan terrorist attacks from there. And the Taliban was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> That's cool. Makes us sound cool. We've got <laughs> Al Qaeda here, uh, you know, blowing up U.S. Navy ships and embassies and shit. And, you know, take some of the stink off us for having like, you know, taken money and weapons from the U.S. and Israel uh, throughout the 80s. Um, you know, it's cool. And then when bin laden managed to pull off 9-11 they were like oh shit oh fuck oh shit <laughs> uh and immediately offered to hand bin laden and al-qaeda over to the u.s uh and so was this ever a real possibility people say like that this is what um al gore would have done you know because he won really won the election i i, I don't know i think that's a that's a uh, silly thing to get into, like thinking some Democrat, a post like a, a 90s Democrat wouldn't invade somewhere, yeah, like wouldn't wouldn't get pulled in to the same thing after 9-11. Like, I don't know. I think that's very unlikely. Could it have been managed differently? Could it have been a a less sort of catastrophic 20 year thing under? Sure, you could. Anything could happen. Any fucking better outcome can always happen. It's sort of stupid to get it into, but the point is not to say like something better could have happened, but to talk about like why it really did go the way it did. And that's that the Bush administration was full of hawks and very, it was uh, totally politically cynical. And there was an obvious thing here. It's like, well, you're attacked. So you, we get to attack back and they salivated over that. They love this idea for its own sake the idea of getting into a war where they can fucking spend money, can shell, shell out money to defense contractors, and more than anything else, get into a war that made them a wartime White House, that made Bush a wartime president. They literally said this out loud, that they liked this idea. They liked it politically, and they thought it would, you know, keep his, they, want, they saw his approval ratings soar through the roof as America came together after 9-11 and they wanted to keep that going as long as possible and they thought going to war and staying at war was the way to do this and you know that that's you know it, it, that's why this all happened and went the way it did you know so for this dickhead to say like oh they weren't American people weren't thinking about how hard this would be to uh, do nation building in Central Asia I mean fuck you Oh, he, he wants, he wants, um, you know, like the White House account to be like, yo, Americans, like he's, they want him to do like the Keemstar, like, yo, Americans, like, uh, RT to invade or, or like to stay put <laughs> sound yeah. off below. <laughs> like, 
chap plays the Afghan war. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Do a little Twitter poll to, to see, uh, to just open a dialogue before, uh, making any decisions. Okay. We're almost through this. I promise. Um, so he goes, maybe it would have been worth it. Or maybe such a project was impossible. We'll never know for certain because American political and military leaders only tried pieces of several strategies, never a coherent whole, mostly, oh. mostly mm. to keep the costs and casualties down and to keep the war off the front pages and away from a public that didn't want to hear about it. Well, if it's oh, off oh. the front pages. Oh, oh so he admitted it. Uh, he says right here, uh, the administrations who prosecuted this war deliberately kept it off the they front pages. Like I said, fuck you, dude. In the fuck American you. people not talking about this. Like I, I <sighs> we all have to be truffle pigs. Uh, find those little nuggets of info. Uh, Get your snout oh down in there. God. Take a big whiff. I, like, or maybe such a project was impossible. We'll never know for certain. <laughs> no, it, yes, yes. I think I can say for certain this project of, you know, can America, can Afghanistan be a nicer place to live for the people who live there? Yeah, I'm certain that it can. Um, can a, a ground up working class movement of Afghans one, one day, uh, bring back a di uh, communism in a different form to Afghanistan um, than it ever had before. Uh, maybe I, I, I hope so. Uh, but I think I can say with in total certainty that the United States is totally incapable of improving anyone's fucking life anywhere using its military might. Okay. Fuck off. Of course that's impossible. Biden's policy of course is not that different from Trump's despite all the partisan howling about it from Republicans. As my colleague David Frum has put it, for good or ill, the Biden policy on, Af on Afghanistan is the same as the Trump policy, only with less lying. But as comforting as it would be to blame Obama and Trump, we must look inward and admit that we told our elected leaders of both parties that they were facing a no-win political test. So we were being unfair to them, it sounds like. Very, very unfair. Yeah. If they choose to leave, they would be cowards who abandoned Afghanistan. They chose to stay. They were more warmongers intent on pursuing forever war. In wow. In quotes. Wow. Almost like electing people who um, are one of the few people who can influence and actually take into action the most powerful empire alive right now um those people might have consequential decisions to make that might have backlash in either way because they are so consequential to the world itself one of the few people who can actually like change things like from the inside and actually make this empire move the way that they want it to fuck off dude like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> seriously like i love the you know uh they they had an impossible choice, a very difficult moral choice to make. Oh, people would And they get couldn't mad. do it because <laughs> if they made one of those choices, people would think they were cowards. Yeah. Like, like that's the cowardice, you asshole, is not making yeah. that fucking choice, is not getting us out. That's the cowardice of Barack Obama at all, you know? And so here we are in the place we were destined to be, resting on 20 years of safety from another 9-11, but with Afghanistan again in the hands of the Taliban. A serious people, the kind of people we once were when America oh was my great. God. Oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> would have made serious choices long before this current debacle was upon them. I mean, he's right. This is not how uh, people comported themselves on the West Wing. It just isn't. <laughs> <laughs> again, like, who the fuck is it? What country is he talking about? Uh, one he made up in his head. The one and, and, and in the gray lady, related? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, how, exactly. How does this relate at all to the American people and not our fucking political class that is that is the source of the cowardice here, right? Like, and point to the fact that there is no democratic input here, you know? Uh, Jesus, dude, get it straight. This was all about fucking money. This went on for 20 years because people were getting rich. Fuck you, dude. This is stupid. Yeah, well, I think when you have money and you get published in the Atlantic, you start to forget other people 
have neither of those things. Yeah. So he continues, they would today be trying to learn something from nearly 2,500 dead service members and many more wounded. They would be grimly assessing risk and preparing both overseas and at home for the reality of a terrorist nation making its way back onto the international map. Instead, we're bickering about masks. What? what? In referring to... Okay, that's fucking funny. He, he never... I don't think he ever mentions the, the deaths of... Uh, you know the Afghan people, the misery Those caused yeah, them, yeah. something yeah. clearly to him. Obviously, but they're just a terrorist nation, you know, <laughs> <laughs> an abomination in the terrorist nation. <laughs> Instead, we're bickering about masks. We're holding Aww. super spreader events. We're complaining. What is this link to? Oh, South South Dakota, of course, not uh, Obama's 60th birthday party. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> We're complaining and finger pointing about who ruined our fall plans. And then this is in parathetical. I'm part of the last group. Spoiler. It's the people who refused easily accessible vaccinations. So, so this is just taking the form now of the conservative editorial or opinion where it's just like uh, the list of grievances. Just grievances. Yeah. Yeah. But before we move on, before we head back to the mall, before we resume posting memes, and before we return to bickering with each other about whether we should have to mask up at Starbucks, let us remember that this day came about for one reason and one reason only, because it is what we wanted. <laughs> I can't. The I ending can't is amazing, you, yeah. honestly. <laughs> that last yeah, I mean, I, I heard. I heard like the fucking like... West Wing music or the Sorkin music playing yeah. like in the last fucking paragraph. Like he really thought he said something. Like <laughs> the motherfucker <laughs> thought he snapped with the both side shit. This was just so fucking. It's like not it's just deflating. I'm not even like fucking like upset even at this end because it's just so. It's just such a fart. It's just a wet fart. Yeah. Well, we just spent the last you know however long tearing apart his whole thesis so it's like you get this far and what is there even to say yeah, right you know? the motherfuckers still talking about the mall too it's like i mean it's just like sounds like it just sounds like it's like a mix of these like weird like grievances he has with like regular people um the fact that i don't know uh the majority of americans are participating in a consumerist capitalist society that is organized by the u.s um and like that is like what we do we uh shop for things uh we you know are divided along uh like wedge issue lines and culture war shit um and uh you know we That's like post memes on stupid. social media because that is like our main f- form of media that is like where everyone is um, in the U.S. allowed social media platforms to proliferate? It is like the consumer culture in digital form, um, which is like very intentional. So to like, but to blame like every single American for participating in society is, I mean, like the and if you really like uh, do not like those things, I think there's a there's a different way you can uh, maybe change that. That doesn't involve just blaming individual choices and looking at at it from a systematic level. But this guy's a fucking idiot and he'll never do that because this is not even in good faith. It's just a shitty ass uh, take that is just trying to cover his ass for um, an embarrassing end to uh, a war that this guy defended for a while. So, I don't know. Yeah, I think yeah. I think you're dead on again, Munya, to point out how misanthropic and elitist this is. Uh this is why people in a lot of ways hate liberals because um, they act like this. Yeah. It's fucking disgusting. Yeah. Other people exist, asshole. Uh, you're not the only one. Okay. Well, we just read whatever that was from uh, the centrist brain bug, Tom Nichols, one of the chief ideas exported from somewhere in the center of the galaxy where uh, centrists live. Um, and we're all orbiting them, yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You're living in these guys' world. <laughs> it's, it's not a spectrum. It's a spiral galaxy. It's ideas <laughs> all the way down. Um, uh, yeah, that was absolute dog shit. Like, I'll, I want to sleep now for like hours. Uh, I just want to go to sleep um, because that like <laughs> was just so taxing. Um, yeah, it was look, gr- grotesque. 
if we want to have a little fun and maybe try to sniff out an upside of this, uh, just, just, you know, just for the lulls, it is, it is sort of pleasant to imagine that this could be, you know, yet another omen, uh, you know, heralding the fall of the empire. Uh, it's, you know, Afghanistan famously, uh, ever more famously called the graveyard of empires. Uh, you know, could it be, could it be that, uh, uh, this will be, uh, you know, one more thing that erodes America's power and calls it, causes it to collapse in on itself. Probably not, but it's pretty to think so. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it could be, and that process doesn't happen overnight, but it, I mean, it really could be an omen. So who knows? I mean, hey, listen, nobody in 1988, when the Soviets pulled out of Afghanistan, thought the Soviet Union was going to collapse, uh, you know, in the next like two years. Uh, and I mean, yeah, you know, hey, I, I can dream. Yeah. Dream, baby, dream. All right. Not that anything necessarily good would come of that. But uh, anyway, that's uh, that's a little fun note to leave us on. Um, it's it's fun. It's fun to imagine that bigger things could be happening now. I don't I don't know that they are, but. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll all wish upon a star. So just wanted to remind you all that Brian Chewy and Ryan from the Save Continue podcast put out a new episode of Texas Sucks. You probably saw this already on the public feed. Uh, it was on the Patreon feed a week early, but it's about sundown towns. So go check that out if you haven't. Um, and as I just alluded to, if you want to be a cool patron, like one of the sweetest freaks around, you can listen to that stuff a week early. And it only costs you $5, uh, just five measly dollars. And that's in addition to the regular Patreon weekly content that's right. we always do. That's right. Because Brian, that guy... It's a bonus bonus. He just, bonus. he loves recording things. You put, He's a deeply troubled man. And well, we the all only are, way he but... can shut out the voices in his head is to pod. <laughs> I commend him for that. Um, so, mm -hmm. so yes, there, there's lots of fun stuff on the other side of the old pay gate. And we did want to thank our newest patron, Jane. Welcome to the Freak Fold. Uh, we're very glad, very glad to have you. And um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for this week. Who knows what has happened while we were recording this in Afghanistan. Probably cool stuff. Maybe the McDonald's is no longer running, but uh, we'll find out soon enough. So uh, until next time. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye. Good night. Bye.